have a confession to start the day today. We're in our last sermon on our Gospel and Work series. I'm going to start with a confession. The confession is that sometimes I like to watch QVC. Does anybody else watch QVC? Would you, like, would you be willing to admit it? Look at this. Look at the hands around the room. Do you see them? There's two. I think there's two hands. So Q- I started watching QVC in college on like a 19-inch black and white. That's how bored I was sometimes in college. And last night, I'm watching QVC, and here's what's true about, this is all sarcastic, by the way, so don't believe anything I'm about to say. There's lots of good news on QVC. The whole show is amazing news after amazing news. Have you ever watched it? The people on QVC are evangelists. They are always sharing the good news about the most amazing product. So this is one I'm not. This is one I saw last night that I need to tell you about because I'm so excited about it. Are you ready? Are you ready? I have no. I'm getting no commission from this. This is just because I love you. Okay, you ready? All right. This is not a hair dryer. This is an LED light therapy muscle relaxer. Okay. It's handheld. Can you, can you hear the sarcasm in my voice right now? I hope you are picking it up. It's handheld. So you can put it like on your back or on your shoulders if it's sore. Now, you might say, what if I wanted to keep watching QVC without having to hold this device while I was receiving the light therapy? Well, it comes with... <laughs> I'm having a hard time keeping a straight face. Okay, it comes with a Velcro band that you can strap around your body and around the handle so that the LED light sensors are still just beating off your muscles while you watch about the next product. Doesn't that seem like good news to you? It's only like $116.27, $116.20, and 20. And they have quarterly payments. And the shipping is free. Amazing, right? Isn't that amazing? You want to clap. Come on. You're like on the edge. It's such good news. It's such good news. And if you watch the show, they spend like 25 minutes. There's a little countdown. Like they're going to run out of handheld LED sensors when really... There's a million of them in a warehouse in China, but they want you to think that they're going to run out. So then there's another product that comes up, and the next product is just as amazing as the product before that. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. How? Come on, I'll be honest. How many of you, middle of the night, became convinced that you needed a knife that could cut through a brick? (laughs) Somebody did. Somebody did. And then you ordered one. All day long, Good news on QVC, a whole channel devoted to sharing gospel good news about products seven days a week, unbelievable deals. Check it out when you go home today, okay? If you're bored with the football game, throw on QVC, see what unbelievable deal. It's it's always unbelievable. Now, if you've ever tried to talk about your Christian faith in your workplace or with non-Christian people in your life, in some other setting, okay? If you've ever tried to do that, you may have felt like a QVC salesperson. Anybody? Like you were trying to sell something to someone who had almost no interest in the thing that you were talking about. 
And if you were really trying hard, you might have got almost as animated as I did trying to tell them why this was really important. If you're trying to talk about your Christian faith, you might feel like you're selling religion to other people. Has anybody ever felt like that? Yes, some of you. Nobody wants to, I mean, I'll do, whoever is in here that has worked for QVC, I apologize. Nobody wants to feel like a QVC salesperson when trying to share something as personal as what they believe about God to somebody that they're in relationship with, right? There are all kinds of reasons for why people don't talk about their faith in the workplace or with non-Christian people they have relationships with. There are tons of reasons in addition to feeling like a salesperson. Here, I made a list of a few of them for you to think about. Maybe um, there never seems like you have an actual opening or opportunity to talk about faith in your workplace. Maybe that talking about religion or politics is off limits in your workplace. Maybe you don't know how you would talk about your faith if you had the chance to talk about it. Maybe you don't know what you would say. You wouldn't even know how to explain it. Maybe there's some fear of being labeled the religious person at work. Maybe it doesn't even seem that anyone would care, QVC style, enough to want to talk about Christian faith in your workplace. I think there's all kinds of barriers. I tried to ask people and make this list based on what people told me to having significant conversations about the gospel and Jesus in the workplace. But I also think that it might be one of the most important places, the most important settings to have conversations about faith in God. Because for most of us, one of the primary places we're living out our faith at all levels is in the workplace because a lot of you spend a lot of time in the workplace. So the question for today's sermon is just very simply, how do we talk about faith? at work. If you're not working a job, you still have work to do, as we've been talking in the series. So think about people who are not Christians, who you're friends with. If you're having conversations with them in any kind of setting, you could apply what I'm going to say today to those kinds of folks. I want to start by saying, I think we need a change of mindset to start off with, okay? I think we need to start talking about how we make the shift from thinking about sharing our faith as selling religion to naming God's action, naming what it is that God is doing. My guess is if you feel like you have to sell Christian faith to someone who doesn't believe it, A, they're going to smell that on you, yes? And you're going to feel terrible about yourself. So we need to rethink the way that we share what is really maybe the most important good news there is with people by instead of trying to think of it as selling them something and saying, listen, let me tell you what I see God doing. I'm not trying to convince you that you're wrong and I'm right. I'm not even trying to lay out a comprehensive defense of Christian faith for you and answer every question you've ever had. I simply want to tell you what I see God doing in my life, and maybe even in your life. The, one, of the, one of the applications for those little cards that you got in your program today would maybe be able to say to a coworker, taking a chance and saying to a coworker, here's how I see God working in your life or through you. Here's how I see God blessing other people in our workplace or in our client base 
through your giftedness, even if you don't see it that way or even if you don't believe that that's what's happening. I think we need to make a move from feeling like sharing good news is mostly about defending what's true to talking about our experience of what's real. I read recently that the last 30 or 40 years, most of the time thinking about talking about Christianity in mixed settings was about defending the truth, helping people to know what's true and what's not true. I think that's still important, but I think the culture in North America, United States, is now shifting to where we need to start talking about our experience of the reality of God in everyday life. Because in postmodern culture, the experiences of people are now carrying more weight than some constructed argument about what's true about the world in general or not. Whether you like that or not, that's a shift that's taking place. So what if we thought about sharing good news more as naming the good things that God has done in your life, in the lives of other people, through your church's life, in the world that you live in, through your family? People can't argue with you sharing your experience of what God has done, right? That's just part of your life and part of who you are. It's not jamming religion down anyone's throat. It's simply sharing your experiences of faith in Christ. The disciples in the New Testament, most of the time when you see the word good news or they're sharing gospel, they're most of the time talking about things they saw Jesus had done or was doing. Most of the time they're saying, here's what God did for us through Jesus. Or here's what we saw God, the Holy Spirit, do through the Gentile people, people we thought were supposed to be excluded from everybody else forever, then God included them. Look at that. That's what happened. And they were, they were compelling and drawing people in, not just by making some argument about what God was really like, but to say, look, look at the evidence in front of you. Look at what God is doing in the world right now. That's what we need today. That's what we need in the 21st century. We need people who are bold enough to say, here, I think this is what God is doing, and I want to share that with you. I think people will respond differently than, to that than the QVC version of sharing the gospel. So another shift, another way to think about this for those of you who grew up in a, a church culture, probably an evangelical church color, ch- culture, you had, maybe you had a bracelet at some time that said WWJD on it. Maybe you still do. We need to change them now. So sorry if you have one. We've got to change it to WIJD, which means what is Jesus doing? Not what would Jesus do, not as if Jesus were alive, what would he do? What is he doing right now? What is happening right now? What is Jesus doing in your life and in the world and in the lives of other people that you know? What is your experience of God? A couple of weeks ago, we had a Saturday training called Equip that we do every quarter. And one of the exercises was that we prayed as a group. We were at the YWCA on Lake Street in South Minneapolis. And the the exercise was to pray and just ask that God would show us what was happening, what God was doing in the neighborhood we were in. So we wander out of the YWCA, and we go across the street to this little shopping mall, and we're kind of wandering around, and we we went into a couple stores, and it was like three white guys in a neighborhood where there weren't that many white guys, and so they thought we were either trying to steal something, or we were there to sell them something to sell at their store a couple different times. It was very, some awkward experiences. And then we met this guy um, who was looking for help. He wanted some help to get some food. So we ended up talking to him for a while. And at one point, the three of us are standing around, and I just decided to say to him, I go, hey, man, this is our story today. We were just in the YWCA 
praying that God would help us to see what, what God was up to around here. And we wandered out here, and we met you. And now we're talking to you, and you're telling us your story about your friend in the hospital. I go, what do you think that means about God? Like, what does that mean anything to you? And at, in the moment I said it, it was kind of like, oh, that might be a little forward. Like, maybe he doesn't th- see things that way. Or, you know, that little nervousness you get when you sort of stepped out even a little bit. And he just jumped all over. And he's like, man, I was praying this morning that God would provide for me. And now I bumped into you guys. And it just was a small reminder for me that if I'm just honest about what I am doing, I'm not trying to hide from people what I'm doing. If they think it's stupid that I'm at the YWCA praying that God would show me what's happening in the neighborhood on a Saturday morning, that's okay. But what an amazing connection that this guy felt like he was asking God for help, and then these people showed up, and we were, we were his help that morning. And we were able to make that connection. It's really critical that we start talking about where we see God at work and helping people see that that's part of the good news that Jesus is sharing with us. Now let me switch gears for just a few minutes and say some of you might be listening to me and wondering, why is this even important at all? Why do I need to talk about my faith uh, at all? Or maybe why do I need to talk about my faith in the workplace? Like isn't it enough for me to just live out what's good or what God's told me to do without having to tell everyone about it, which is a really good question. And to get at that question, I'm going to read this passage in Romans chapter 10. If you have a Bible and you want to turn there, go ahead now. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Romans is a book that's written to the church in Rome, which is, as you know, the power structure, the power center for the whole world, basically, at that time. And Paul's writing this letter for a whole bunch of reasons, but one of the reasons is to help them understand a simple, clear version of the gospel, of the good news, that they can articulate for other people that they're engaging with, most of them not Christian people, in the city of Rome at that time. And in chapter 10, we have one of the clearest statements of how to talk about the gospel and why that's important from Paul. So here in verse 9, he says this. He says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. You will enter God's salvation. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him or trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is the Lord of all people and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching or proclaiming it to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Does anybody care? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word, the story about Christ. Paul is not writing to a group of Christians who live in a bubble with a whole bunch of other Christians. 
He's writing to a group of people who have to be constantly asking the question, how does Christian faith influence my life in Rome? Right? A pluralistic culture where there are many gods and many people who believe all sorts of different things with a lot of consequences. And he's saying it's important for you to learn to talk about and share the good news of Christ because people cannot respond to God unless somebody articulates that for them. Paul here lays out this simple summary of how people can respond to God and he, upon hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. Very simply, believe in your heart, trust in your heart with your whole life and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Opening up your whole self to trust God and say, whatever my life is about, it's yours. I am completely dependent upon the resurrection that you bring into my life. I can't do anything apart from that. This is the same resurrection he brought through Jesus. You're inviting God to come and work in your life and let resurrection change everything about you. It's not something you're doing. It's something God does in you by your invitation. And then he says it's important to confess it with your mouth, to say it with your mouth that God has set everything right between you and God. That there's an action you take in trusting God, and then you articulate that, not only for yourself, but for the people around you to say, this is what's happened in my life. This is what's going on in me. You might not be able to see that right away, but this is what's happening. This is a very simple reflection for Paul to say, you need to trust Jesus with your whole life, and you need to tell someone that that's what's happened. You have received God's grace and forgiveness in your life. Now, Paul is saying here that it's pretty hard for anybody to trust God with their life if they never hear what God has done in someone else's life. Now, I hear the phrase all the time. It's quoted from one of the great desert fathers, one of the saints, where people say, preach the gospel, and when necessary, use words. Anybody heard that? Right? It's popular now because... People, I think, are rightly emphasizing the fact that we can't just say things we believe. We have to do something about it, which I totally agree with. But it's one of those, the pendulum swings too far the other way on the correction, right? Preach the gospel, live the gospel, and always use words, right? Why wouldn't you? The QVC people, not to go back to the QVC people, the QVC people are explaining something to you that you can understand in about seven seconds if you have a clue. It's an LED light that helps your muscles. They spend a half an hour beating that into you, right? Why? Because they think you're stupid? No. Because repeating it and explaining it and illustrating it convinces you of its value. So whether we like it or not, people need to hear the stories about what God's done in our life over and over and over and over again. And we all need to hear the stories of what God's done in our lives over and over and over and over again, don't we? So being vocal about what God has done in your life is totally essential to us learning to share the gospel in the workplace. We have to be able to do that. In Romans 10, 15 to 17, this last part that I read to you, uh, Eugene Peterson has a little different translation that I like. I want to read to you here at the end of this passage. He says, 
but not everybody is ready for this. Is that true? Not everybody's ready to hear this. Not everybody's ready to, to see and hear and act. Isaiah asked what we all ask at one time or another. Does anyone care, God? Is anyone listening and believing a word of what I'm saying? The point is, before you trust, before you trust God, you have to listen. But unless Christ's word is preached, shared, talked about, there's nothing to listen to. So we need courage to talk about the things we see God doing, not because we're trying to jam anything down anybody else's throat, but because it's essential for their opportunity to respond to what God may be asking them, and it's also helpful to build up our own faith in talking about what we see God doing. Just like last week when Stephanie gave us a few case study examples of how this might play out, I want to finish the sermon by just giving you a couple of stories of how I think this might happen in everyday life. Sometimes it's workplace. Sometimes it's just what you're doing uh, on a regular basis. So what if we looked at the opportunities to talk about the gospel, the gospel about Jesus, um, in our everyday experiences? So let me put this slide up and explain what I mean. The gospel, as we've been talking about it, uh, is summarized by saying Jesus is both Lord and Savior. Jesus is Lord means he's the king of the whole kingdom, and as God's kingdom comes more and more, we see more and more of the life that God wants us to have. And Jesus is Savior means that we need Jesus' resurrection every day in our life for our forgiveness of our sins and for the renewal of our spirit every single day. So what if these two questions were guiding questions you have in your head when you're looking for opportunities to talk about the good news in everyday life and in your workplace? Where do we need Jesus' kingdom to come? And where do we need Jesus' resurrection in our everyday life? So leave those up for me, Jared, while I talk about these examples. On the radio this week, I was listening to NPR. They were interviewing Leif Anderson, who's the president of the National Association of Evangelicals. He used to be a pastor here in town at Wooddale Church. They were asking him about the evangelical response to the Syrian refugee movement. Crisis, I think they called it. And I was amazed at Leif's response on what is a public radio, a secular institution, not a religious organization. Leith started talking about it, and he, he simply said, uh, well, here's how I think evangelicals ought to respond as the president of the National Association of Evangelicals. And then he started talking about Jesus. He said, well, Jesus once told this story. Remember, this is on the radio that maybe people don't have anything, any knowledge of the Bible, don't think the Bible's authoritative. Uh, Jesus once told this story about a guy who was a Samaritan who was somebody who would have been most of these folks' enemies he was talking to. And he said that it was really important that even though this person was hurt and bleeding on the side of the road, that they, that they help them even when it costs them something. Even when it costs money and time and reputation. So I think as Christians that, that are trusting the Bible is true, we ought to figure out ways to be a welcoming group of people to these refugees. Now, whether you agree with that or not, whatever your political position might be on that, this is a guy who's figured out how to talk about Jesus and the good news in mixed contexts, very clearly, very simply, in a very short way, in a way that was public. I thought that was amazing. What if we just looked for ways to be public about what we believe without having to make everyone mad immediately, all the time? 
This is what Jesus taught us, and here's how I think it applies. We have a friend who runs a company called Castle Remodeling. Christian Ann shared this story a while back. We were interviewing him. Um, I'm not sure if he's part of a church or not. He says, aren't you the guys who are running the thing where you feed all the kids on the weekends? The Sheridan story? Yes. How come you're not telling people that you're doing that all the time? How do, you, do you feel shy about telling people about that, he said? Christian Ann's like, yeah, you know, we're, we don't want to be too forward. We're trying, we're trying to be, he's, you should tell everyone about that every day. Why wouldn't you tell everyone every day that your church is involved in helping to help other churches get involved with feeding hungry kids? Last weekend, I had this crazy experience where these people that are friends of mine from Idaho called me because a group of scientists were holding a conference at the Minneapolis Convention Center on how climate change is affecting their ability to farm and grow cereals, wheat, barley. And they said the person who's facilitating the conference couldn't come because of a family crisis. Would you be willing to help facilitate this scientific conference on climate change and cereal production? And I seriously thought he meant, like, Cheerios. Turns out it wasn't Cheerios. And I was like, really? Are you sure? There's got to be somebody else who's more qualified to do that. I don't know anything about that. They said, no, no, you come highly recommended. Please come help us facilitate the conference on climate change and cereal production. So I, I honestly, I can't remember being more nervous to do anything in a really long time. I'm standing in front of 100 professors who are from international locations who are in charge of doing research to help people figure out when things are getting warmer in certain parts of the world, in India and China, how do we grow the best and the most amount of cereal per acre? Okay? Um, I led them through this afternoon exercise where they were like sharing ideas at their tables and consulting with each other and trying to design how they were going to take what they had learned over the last couple days after the conference. And at the end of the conference, the gentleman who, um, who was running it got up and said, this is really important work to the rest of the people, and what we're doing here helps to fight food insecurity globally because there's still people who are going hungry, and the more food we can produce, the less people go hungry. So about two days later, I thought, I'm going to send that guy an email. I barely know him. He's like the world's foremost scholar on tilling methods, farm the effects of different tilling methods on various worm populations in the soil. That's a very specific expertise. I sent him an email, and this is what I said in the email. I said, I know we don't know each other very well. Thank you for inviting me to help you with this conference at the last minute. Let me tell you something I saw from my perspective. I said, from my perspective, it's really important to God that everyone has enough. And to the extent that the work that you were doing and helping all these scientists think well and plan well to help there be more food for the people who don't have enough, that's God's work. And then I put a line in the email where I said, now, this may really offend you. I have no idea what your religious background is. I don't mean anything by it other than to say, from my perspective, this is really important to God, and I encourage you to keep going. I never heard a word back. He may be horribly offended. He may not care at all. I have no idea. Um, but in my own attempt to say, how can we be witnesses to what we see God doing, no matter what people's response is? I didn't have to send that email, but I did because I felt like this is part of my role in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ 
in the world. We have horrible things happening in our city. We have people this week protesting and people upset about the shooting of Jamar Clark. We have unrest in the city. We have questions about whether there's justice happening with the police and with the people that live in the north side community and the people who live in the city of Minneapolis. Some of our friends who were just here on the stage with us sharing a couple of weeks ago from a church across the river. I looked on a couple of their Facebook pages this week because I wanted to see what their response was. And on one of the, one of the person's Facebook page, someone else had posted, some, I honestly don't know that much about Facebook, but someone else had posted something on their page um, that called for a response to this crisis, to the situation. And I started reading through the, the page. It simply said, here's where people are going to be. You can come and rally and speak to it or whatever. And then... Um, people started going back and forth on Facebook saying some of the absolute worst things I can imagine human beings saying. Like on both sides of the coin, but particularly people just, I mean, I don't know that I could have come up with worse things to say. Has anybody else seen that on Facebook? Is there a worse forum for genuine dialogue than somebody's Facebook post line? Correct me if I'm wrong, honestly. I read through that and I go, how is there any, no matter what you think about this, again, regardless of political position, what is the role of Christian faith in engaging with people who are hurting? We have a chance as Christians in these public forums to speak up and say, don't say such stupid stuff on Facebook. Let's come together. Let's pray like we're going to do tomorrow night. Let's ask for unity and justice. And let's hear people's perspectives. And let's be civil to one another. And let's find solutions. And let's realize that this is not a problem that just came up, but it's been going on for a long time. Let's have genuine conversation and relationship. We desperately need good news on Facebook, I think. We need resurrection life in these situations that are tearing up the city. We need God's kingdom to come, right? Those two questions. Where do we need God's kingdom to come in that conversation? Where do we need resurrection to come in that conversation? That should be our starting point as Christians. Not how can I get my political view out there in a way that just makes everyone know that's your political view? How does that help anything? I don't understand that. There are many, many more opportunities than I think we all realize to say, here's where God's kingdom needs to come, and here's where the resurrection life of Jesus can change your life and the life of our community. Last story, and then I'll conclude. Let me invite the band to come up. I was traveling this week, and I had an Uber driver, and I always ask my Uber driver, A, how they like driving for Uber, and B, where they're from if they're not from the United States. And he told me he was from Ethiopia. And he'd been here for 20 years. Um, I kid you not, in almost every one of these conversations with people who um, I've had the chance to ride with, faith comes up. It's not even difficult. He started telling me about what it was like to be a Christian in Ethiopia. And then he started telling me stories about how he knew that there were people who were Christians who had been martyred in Syria. And he looked at me like, you know, in the rearview mirror, like, what do you think about that? 
Some people were unwilling to give up their faith in Jesus Christ to the point of death in the 21st century. What do you think about that? He's asking me. Honestly, the, all that stuff I just told you happened in like seven days. That's just the last week, basically, of looking for opportunities to say, what does the good news of Jesus Christ have to say about our lives today? A lot, right? A lot. And Paul's saying to us, we have to talk about the good news and what God is doing in order that people can trust God and respond and confess themselves their need for Christ and Christ's resurrection in our life. That's a privilege for us. There are ways to do it that don't have to be so divisive. And they have mostly to talk about your own experience and where you see God acting in your life. So try that, will you? Try thinking through those questions and saying, where could I talk about where we need God's kingdom to come? Where could I talk about where the resurrection of Jesus is needed? And just see what happens. Do an experiment this week and see one time. Send one note. Say, I see God working through you in this way and see what happens. We all need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ again and again and again and again. Jesus Christ was born and raised and died on this cross and came back to life so that any person who believes in him can have eternal life that starts today, right now, in relationship with Christ, to be part of the kingdom of God coming until it fully comes again in the name of Jesus Christ, where he sits on the throne. We need to learn to talk about the trust we have in God and have the courage to speak up when these opportunities to talk about good news come into our lives. Let's pray together.